0: Well hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Chita Tande with HH4, the monthly podcast of Haitian heritage and friends of Haiti. Last month we put out an episode where we talked uh, about how we were coping with recent events in Haiti and in that particular case we talked about the assassination of the then president of Haiti, Jovenel Moïse, and how that even had hit us as Haitians in the diaspora, and how we were trying to come to grip with that situation. It is unfortunate that in this edition of the podcast, we are still grappling with another tragic event. And as you know, 11 years ago, Haiti was hit by a 7.0 magnitude earthquake which devastated the country. Unfortunately, on August 14th, the same happened but at a 7.2 in the scale of Richter in the southwest of Haiti. To make matters worse, on Monday, the week after that, then the same region, the southwest of Haiti also had to succumb to Tropical Depression grace. So a lot has gone on, and the call for Haitian Heritage and Friends of Haiti to return to Haiti and to provide the aid that we usually do is on. And to have a conversation about that, I have with me on the phone the founder and president of Haitian Heritage and Friends of Haiti, Sabine Guerrier. Hello, Sabine.
1: Hello, good afternoon, Graham. This is always, it's always, always, always a pleasure talking to you and I'm sitting back listening to your voice. You have a very calming voice (laughs) with all the craziness, the madness that has been happening in my life since the earthquake and the storm. So hearing a calming, soothing voice is much appreciated. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much for the kind words, Sabine. And I'm very happy that you took a moment to talk to me about this situation because I I know that you, your life basically has been turned around since since the moment it happened because everybody needs to talk to Sabine. Everybody look for Sabine. And so I will not be taking a lot of your time, but if you would, did you in a million years think that in your lifetime you would see another earthquake
1: in Haiti? I would say in all of truthfulness, yes because we know that Haiti, especially on the northern side, we see it in the worst place in the world, worse than what they have in California. So it's not surprising to me that it has happened. What got me upset is the fact we knew it was just a matter of time that, hey, they will get hit again, although they kept on talking about the loss. But we know we're prone now to earthquakes, and just like we are prone to hurricanes, okay? Every hurricane season, we typically get hit. I'm still shocked and appalled that we are next not prepared, knowing that these natural disasters will come. We're not prepared, but. To answer your question, no, I was not surprised that we got hit. I wish we didn't, but it was not a surprise for me because I knew it was just a matter of time.
0: So, let me ask you: this particular situation, 11 years later, if you and, and I know that tragedy is tragedy, it is still a tragic situation. But in what way is? This happening eleven years later, worse than than what it happened.
1: It was in a different way. Okay, they both were bad, and in different ways, they are worse than uh, what happened in twenty ten or what happens now. It's worse, but in different and different ways. As an example it is not stable, okay? We have political instability at the moment, what we did not have in 2010. So with the political instability, where well, we don't even have a president. We don't have a sitting president at the moment. It's not even two months since he got assassinated, right? He was. My God, he was assassinated like less than two months ago. So we still going through the motion of grieving the uh, country is to trying to find out the, who did it who's done it because so many people are popping of so many names so we're dealing with that we're dealing with the gangs who some places in photo points or in the areas you cannot walk through you cannot drive by because of gangs holding on those those areas, those areas, the numbers of kidnappings have elevated. Okay, so people are afraid of going out. So this presents this earthquake presents the challenges that in 2010 we didn't have. In 2010 we had definitely more deaths. Okay, more people died because the epicenter was in Paraguay. Paraguay is more condensed. Yeah. You have more people in Paraguay. So number of deaths, number of injured is much less than what you have now. But however, the challenge is now is getting to where the victims are because we were not prepared. Everything has to come from port to exactly. and And you, you have heard stories where the gangs are holding on are doing hold-up on the buses or vehicles trying to get to the victims, taking donations to, uh, to them. Then, on top of it all, you have COVID. In 2010, you did not have COVID. Now you have COVID. So it's a challenge towards money. It's a challenge for, to find volunteers to go down there and provide help because a lot of people took financial hit, and a lot of people are not vaccinated, or even if they are, are afraid to go to Haiti to provide them much-needed help because of COVID. So, different set of challenges, but I would say they are both bad. Both times are bad.
0: Yes, I, I I remember that last month when we talked about Haiti and how we were grappling with the whole thing, and it was we were asking ourselves, you know, at, at what point does the nation catch a break? And we're always hopeful. That it is. I remember you. I, I, I saw a recent interview you had on TV where you said, "You know, it just hasn't happened yet, but we know that it's around the corner—the the brighter day," as you put it. So, as you pose the question here is, with all that happening, especially now that you've mentioned COVID, you've mentioned the political void in terms of not 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 having a president, not having even. In an actual full congress, the gang epidemic, if you will. So HH4 is going to Haiti anyway. We are responding to the call. How would you compare the animals? How would you compare the impetus? How would you compare the the rhythm of things from that moment in 2010 when we decided, let's go and do it, in this time, um, the volunteers. What's the spirit uh, among among volunteers and, and donors?
1: It's definitely more challenging to get donations this time. I'm talking about cash donations and also to look for volunteers than 2010 and it's a combination of what I aforementioned in terms of with so many people getting hit last year 2020 so many people have lost their lives many businesses have gone under because of the pandemic and now this year, we're trying to recover, the apartment trying to recover, but yet we have the variant, the Delta variant. So it's like, okay, we're back again to not where we started, but more a new challenge. So a lot of people, a lot of volunteers, they are concerned about exposing themselves to the area. We also have constraints because, as an organization, since we are a small nonprofit organization, many of our donors base are individual. USAID, a lot of big organizations prefer to go to the big names, organizations, although the small organizations do the most work because we go to Haiti. We make sure that the victims get the donated items. We make sure that we work with the community. We are hands-on. But people and many organizations tend to go with the big names. So our database was really individual, like churches and so on. And with so many things that have happened around the world, and now with Haiti, we're competing with what's happening in Afghanistan. I've talked to a lot of people who say, well, actually we were thinking about it, but now we have Afghanistan, we have this country, that country. People are spread, are spread thin. And money is not, it's hard for people to donate as much or even donate anything when it comes to cash donations as much as they used to do or what, what they've done in 2010, because we're living in a different time. It's easier for people to donate clothing or use a dress, use shoes, use pair of shoes, or they go into their pantry and get some food and uh, donate. But it is all good, but we also need to have financial donations to be able to ship those items to Haiti, to the uh, victims. So I think it's definitely more challenging, This time, and I think it's because of COVID, what happened last year and this year, both financially and health reason, even to get the balances to go. We had more people willing to go. And because also the State Department continues to put a red flag, the State Department all the time, if you're on their website, they put a flag on Haiti, do not travel. It's not safe for what they have Everything they've seen on TV in the media its always do not step foot in Haiti with the gangs, with the killings, with the political instability. So there's always some something and and some people are afraid. They don't want to venture to a place where they may not feel secure. Although what you hear in the news is not always true. It's not what they make it seem to be but some people only listen to what they see or read in the news
0: right that's what I was going to ask you that to what point you thought you know what we see in the media is exaggerated uh, or overplayed because we all have family members in Haiti um, the, their accounts are, are a bit are a bit different in in terms of what goes on versus what is reported but again that Seems to be the, the theme all the time. So we have grown accustomed to it. But it isn't un- unfortunate because anybody who, who probably would genuinely want to go to Haiti and help out and be a volunteer and have that experience is it, it, probably refraining from doing that because of what they've seen in the media, as you've said. But let me ask you this then what do you expect to walk into? now when you get to Haiti with Haitian heritage and Friends of Haiti. uh, What is the most immediate help that is needed right now?
1: Sure. Good question, because we already know what we're getting ourselves into. We don't wait until we get down to Haiti to try to figure out what we're going to do. We work with local hospitals, local elected officials, local leaders to know what is it that you need, because we do not pretend just because we are Haitian-based organization, but we don't, we're not living, we're not currently living in Haiti. So we do not assume to know what Haiti needs. We work and they tell us, you know, first of all, the first question we ask, do you need us there? If you do, What do you need us to do? What kind of help do you need from us? What kind of supplies? What are your needs? So by the time we get to Haiti, we already know where we are going, who we are going to work with, what exactly we're going to be doing, and who we are going to give the uh, the donated items to. So the immediate needs for right this moment, when we go, they want it medical care, and also providing food, providing clean water, providing hygiene kits, providing cleaning products. Because like you said at the beginning of the show, two days after the earthquake, we had a storm hit Haiti and there was mudslides. There was a lot of flooding. So people don't have anything. They lost everything. In addition to that, we are going to conduct mobile clinic because you have the injured from the earthquake, but you have regular sick people who need to be seen by like a doctor. But a lot of hospitals are either destroyed or damaged or they are over capacity. They cannot see any more patients. So what happened to those other folks, other patients who really need to reach a doctor? Blood pressure is going up the roof. Yes. They need an IV. They don't have access now to healthcare at, at all because the focus, everybody's going toward, okay, we're going to help the victims. But the hospital now are overflowing. What about those other patients? Those other people wouldn't who care. So we're going to do not only helping at the hospital, but also conduct kind of free medical clinic to people who need it. And while we giving out the supplies, the food, hygiene kits, everything else that we brought with us. We're taking flip-flops, we're taking clothing, we're taking tents, we're taking tops, we're taking nails, construction nails, because we have to be helping out to build shelters because people need a place to sleep, because the houses are gone. A lot of houses are damaged or destroyed. So we are going to be helping in all these ways. So shelters, food, medical.
0: Right. Shelters food medical. But we in Haitian Heritage and Friends not, of Haiti. Not
1: in this particular order
0: though. <laughs> uh, as an organization, one of the things that we do, we have done, is that we go back, right? So most of in in i this is not us as an organization bad mouthing The bigger organizations. But what what we're saying is that we stay or we go back once the cameras are gone and we continue the work. If you don't mind, after 2010, please uh, tell listeners how many times Haitian Heritage and Friends of Haiti has returned to Haiti and continued the work.
1: So glad you said that, because many, right now, everything, everybody wants to go because they want to feel like they're doing a good impact, which they are, but after the whole thing is no longer on TV, it's no longer in the news, people move on, people forget. Haitian Heritage and Friends of Haiti, we do not forget, we go back. We typically take between three to four trips a year to Haiti uh, to continue to help because the people living in remote areas in Haiti, nine times out of 10, they do not have access to healthcare. So they still need to get access to healthcare. They don't have access to clean water. But the need is still there. They don't have access. They don't have a way or mean to send their kids to school. They don't have a way or mean to feed their family. So the need, just because it's no longer in the news, okay, we're back to 100%, okay, I did my part, we do not do that. We continue to go to Haiti and help with the communities who are in need and we assist them because in the long run, we want to be sure that one day they can do for themselves. We want to empower them. To be able to be self-sufficient and self-reliant, and not expect and not waiting on us to come down to do for them.
0: Excellent. And if you, uh, our listeners, you've listened to the few episodes we've, we've done before, we've talked about some of the projects that are already ongoing in Haiti at the hands of HHFO. So. If you haven't, you can just go back and listen to our four four prior episodes that we've done. I believe episode one and two were the ones that we actually, we, we really went deeply into the work that has been done because I had the opportunity to interview you, Sabine, and a couple of other members who who have been, to Haiti and we talked about the hospital that is still is still in the in the work. And also on our second episode, we talked about the waste management project that we also have ongoing in order to provide a way for one people to to have work and also the ability to convert the waste that is collected into fuel. So that it will decrease and uh, reduce the usage of coal. So again, when the Camerons are gone, we continue to work in Haiti for Haiti, even though a big majority of us are out live uh, outside of Haiti. Uh, this is the type of organization that you should look into if you are if you are serious about doing something that is that is a bit long lasting. As Sabine said, we have an immediate need right now, but we don't have to wait every time a tragedy hits to to make a donation. You can you can continually help if you go through hhfoh.org, hhfoh.org you will find the ways to contribute to this organization, and also, if you want to volunteer, you can contact, go to our on our page, make contact with Sabine, and um, you are all welcome and invited to the next few trips to Haiti. Lastly, Sabine, I wanted to mm-hmm. um, ask you after this, after. Everything is said and done now we are dealing with it with a a new number of a homeless population no so and some of that will be added to the tens of thousands that back in 2010 lost their homes and still haven't haven't recuperated from this so what's next for hH4 in terms of continued work that we do?
1: Right now, we have immediate needs, right? Right. We need to help now, immediate. People need to be saved. People need to uh, food. They need shelter, like temporary shelter, because uh, it will take time to build permanent shelters. People need water. People need access to healthcare. and so on. Hygiene kids to take care of themselves. So that's, and that's immediate. I think what is missing and... That's why at the beginning, I was so shocked that we were not prepared. It happened, the earthquake happened, the 2010 earthquake. It's been, what, 11 years now? Yes. And we have, like, three different governments since 2010. Yes. And why are we not prepared? Why are we not ready? Why are we always putting out fire? So I would love once the immediate needs are done, Or in parallel, we start putting a team together to start working about mid and long-term goals. Yes. So we can be better prepared. So we're not always jumping through the loops, hope and loops to see, okay, oh my God, here's another crisis. We, We know it's coming. What is our plan? And I think that's something HH4, would love to work with any other organizations, any other agencies, to think about the long term. How do we better prepare? Get because a lot of other countries, they do get earthquakes. They do get hurricanes all the time. They get hit by a snowstorm and so on. They know it's coming, they may not know exactly when, but they know that's something they are getting. In California, you, in Los Angeles, you have the firestorm uh, all the time. What do we do? How do we prepare ourselves for things that we know that it's coming? I think that is critical, it's immediate, otherwise we're always gonna have to react. We need to stop reacting and be proactive in solving the issues that we know will be coming. I think that's an approach that I want HHO to take, and I would like to work with other experts, other subject matter experts in this topic and see how we, collectively, can put our heads together. Obviously, it's not being done, otherwise we would not be jumping again. So what can we do to assist the people who need to make sure when we have a crisis, we just implement and we just executed put in it. It's not the time that we're thinking. Oh my God, what and what do we do? photo plans should not be sending supplies to. Like I, every department should be self sufficient. Right. Yes. So if there's a crisis, okay, let's go. Alert, alert. I don't know if it's whatever text message, but everybody knows something is not right. Get to the point because we already have some fire drill. so we know. When you hear that alert, however it is, or whatever it is, you know what you need to do. You know where to go get shelter. We already have a plan in place and we have the fire and the fire drill. I need to, I'm calling on people who are the experts, who are the subject matter experts. Let's put our heads together on getting Haiti prepared for natural disasters because we are prone for natural disasters.
0: Excellent. So. Uh, our the, the next thing we are going to tackle, other than uh, apart from what we have already started, then if I hear correctly, is emergency management, and you have through this podcast made a call to any uh, expert in emergency management that would like to collaborate with us, so that we can help with a with that in Haiti. And I think it's a fantastic idea because, the, as you said, there is no reason why, after 11 years of the same experience, we're still caught surprised and, and unprepared because it's, it, it doesn't only happen to us. And being a country of little means or 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 being a poor poor country doesn't excuse the fact that we don't have the means to predict and have people prepared to withstand this kind of situations so i know that you have to go sabine but just a few questions more and one mm-hmm. how long is this is gonna go for in haiti how long uh, do you guys plan to stay and uh, how quick after returning are we going back to haiti
1: yes uh we actually got a question like that I was on the conference call early early at four with an African American church and they asked in case we're not able to make it this or how quick I said we are always ready to go we can go in November or December depending on number of volunteers and if we have five, five volunteers at the minimum willing to go to work we'll go okay it doesn't have because the need is there it's every day the. Need, they still have people buried on the rubble. You still have every every areas in the Nips and Grandas yeah. and in the south that have that people have not reached out to because majority of people go to High But it was forty different communes, the villages have been impacted. Yes. And a lot of these places, I was watching a video last week where maybe you have seen it. The doctor, quote unquote quote doctor that they are calling, that doctor, was helping the injured. He's using jeans and old jeans to cut out pieces to make them as a tourniquet uh, or as, uh, as a brace if you uh, had your arm broke or your leg broke. Wow. Uh, he's using natural uh, herbs to heal, but not formally educated, okay? But the, that's what they have, right. okay? And he's doing a fantastic job. But what about infections? Yes. If, if people start getting infection, they don't have a hospital near nearby. But majority of donations that you hear, the big organizations, they go to Lakai. They go where the camera and camera exactly. is because they need that visibility right. for people to donate to and to them. So that's why I don't wanna say, oh, we're gonna go next and next year. If we can get enough people to go back on a warning basis. As we're coming back, another group is uh, going, and we have the means to do so, yes. But realistically, I would love to go before the year is over, between November and December, if not definitely in January.
0: Excellent. Another reason you should think about donating to an organization like ours is because we don't have, like the big ones, we don't have overhead costs. Everybody who belongs and volunteers to Haitian Heritage and Friends of Haiti has a day job. (laughs) That includes Sabine, who is the president of this group. And so most of the bigger, big-name organizations that we all seem to gravitate to donate, sometimes their overhead is so expensive that they end up giving about less than 15 cents of every dollar that you donate to the work that needs to be done. To us, that's not the way it is. Everything, everything you donate, all of it, goes to the people that need it, to the people that the work needs to be done for. So, again, I would like to invite you to go to our website... H-H-F-O-H dot O-R-G and donate, donate, donate. Sabine, any last words before we call it today?
1: One last thing I would say again, not bad-mouthing any big organizations like you said before, but I just want to shed some light for people and try to make them understand why it's good, beneficial when you donate to a small organization. Not only with what you just said, we don't have the overhead like the big organizations, but if you think about it logically, and maybe I'm not politically correct with what I'm gonna say, but it is the truth. If we think about this, if the big organizations were doing something great to change, the lives of the people in Haiti, the lives of the people would depend on them. Haiti will not be where it is today because many of them have been going to Haiti for 30, 40, 50 Forever. years. But yet, <laughs> yes. this is where we are each and every time. Furthermore, that's logic, right? Yep. If Haiti were to become independent, where they can do for themselves, these big organizations will go out of business because how will they collect money to go have Haiti if Haiti does not need the help? So it is not in their best interest for Haiti to change. They give you enough to keep you alive, to sustain you, but not enough for you to do for yourself, not enough for you to, be, to empower you to go fish for yourself in the lake where you don't have for them to give you that, Fish all the time. I don't want you to give me that fish. Show me how to fish for myself. I do have the lake. Right. But if they do that, they will put themselves out of commission, out of business. And people can search it online. The big organizations, let, check to see how much they make a year. Most of them make millions of dollars or in, in six figures a year. Who pays for that? Your donations, your donated uh, money. Okay. So the small organizations like Haitian Heritage and Friends of Haiti, every penny, every penny you donate, every penny you donate, which by the way is tax deductible, just how you will get the same thing if you donate to a big organization, a big name, let's say a big name organization, is the same. Deductible, you will get if you give it to a small organization. But the benefits, if you really don't and donating that money because you want to change the lives of the Haitian people or any other con- countries where you really want to see a difference, you want to see a change, then I will advise you to work with a smaller organization, a lesser organization, especially ones that actually go to Haiti, they go to the country, they're hands on. Because that way, they are really, really changing the lives of the people. Because every time it's Asian Heritage and Friends of Haiti goes to Haiti, we save a lives. How many big name organizations can say that? Because the majority of the time when there's a crisis, they all go there. Yeah. Without crisis, you do not see them. You do not hear from them. It's only when there's a crisis. Why don't you help me prepare before that crisis comes so I can help myself? without calling on you all the time. What if at that time I call on you? You cannot help me. Then what happens to me? Yes. Thank you. That will be my my last word. And I want to thank everyone for their support, their contribution. Haiti means your help. We can work together. But we Haitians need to do more to own this, to solve this problem. We can do it. We have done it before, together. We can do it. I'm not going to lose hope. Yes. I refuse to believe that there is not going to be a better Haiti, because the slaves never took a no for an answer to say, oh, no, we're going to die, we're going a slave. They worked together. And they gain their independence. And we are going to continue to work together. It's not easy. Changes are never easy. But we will get there. We will make a difference.
0: Sabine here once again. Thank you very much for this moment with us. And we hope to have you back to report on the trip our next episode and uh, hopefully we have a little bit of an underground chronicle (laughs) that we can also add for our listeners so once again Godspeed on the trip and uh, please stay in touch and we know that again as you mentioned all of the difficulties that are there now meaning covid political instability um, gang violence and all of it so you all be very very careful take good care of yourselves and uh, thank you for the work and thank thank you you for the for the selflessness that you guys show every day to by doing this, thank
1: you to you and thank you to everyone who would not have been successful without the support, collaboration, contribution of everyone. We all play our part, we are one big happy family. Thank you so much, and to continue to give Haiti and the Haitian people in your prayers. Thank you, Graham. You often pass.
0: Thank you, thank you so thank much. You so much.